Well, the holidays are upon us. Wouldn't you agree? The one holiday of thing- of November, Thanksgiving. Yeah. Or- are you doing any good prepping? Um, kind of. Uh, it's I, I, evidently going to be one of our biggest family Thanksgivings yet. We have, I guess I should we have, say, do you have a lunch Thanksgiving or a dinner Thanksgiving? We kind of have an all-day affair. Oh, God. So it's a, my, um, my mom's brother and his side of the family live super close by to us, like a, a five-minute drive. Oh, right on. So we do all the holiday stuff together. So we go over to their house, watch the Macy's parade. Uh, and it's kind of, especially in this circumstance where it's a lot of different people coming in, it mm-hmm. means that everyone can bring something for a different meal of the day. Ooh, that's so good. I'm, bring, I'm making my uh, signature pumpkin cornbread muffins. And that's going to be a brunch item with a, with a honey butter I whip up. Oh my god. Last year, I did fried parsnips with a wine sauce. Jesus Christ. What about you? Do you uh, partake see. in the giving of thanks? Uh, we do. Um, we're definitely... It's it's more of like a lunch holiday every time. You know, no one yeah. eats breakfast. Or it's like, okay. if, you're, if you're like me or like the other women that I've happened to like marry into in this family everyone's having like a piece of toast and some coffee in the morning and refusing (laughs) to do anything else and maybe we'll take a break while we're getting the turkey ready to watch some of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade which has been harder to do by the way yeah over the past couple years it's been really hard to watch to to get a hold of to watch Mm -hmm. well also like it's a lot more commercials Oh my god, that's the thing. I kind of liked that one year where they streamed it. Yeah. Like, on YouTube. That was amazing. Yeah. So you have you have your signature dishes. Do you have a signature for, for dinner? Do you have, like a, like, a family tradition that you do for dinner? Um... It kind of depends on the size. Like, when it's small, we try to do the... Everyone go around the table and say what they're thankful for. Aw. I, I don't like think that... that that will happen this year. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, we toast like Martinelli's uh, sparkling cider. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's a really good family idea. Uh, other than that, there is the traditional uh, argument between the children and the adults of football or uh, dog show. Oh, dog show every time. <laughs> no, you would think that, but there are more voices that want to watch football. <laughs> oh. Oh man, that, that's been the beauty of having my own home where I can now host Thanksgiving. We are watching the dog show. <laughs> Especially because yeah. everyone's just going to fall asleep anyway. Yeah. And then you can start watching the Sisyphean task of Christmas story every single day until Christmas. Yeah. Well, now you have a Christmas story Christmas premiering uh, November 18th <laughs> on HBO. <laughs> did you forget about that? I did. did I you- did. Talking about uh, franchises that don't need to be a trilogy. <laughs> oh, we have all that and more in store on today's today's episode of this podcast is a bad idea. You're listening to this is a bad idea. Is a bad idea.
Yes, I am Murph, uh, and they are Fru. And I am Fru. And yeah, Bazinga and Every Pony. <laughs> and we we've congregated today on adjacent to Thanksgiving to hopefully give you a distraction from all the festivities. Well, Maybe we you're listening to, to this about in a some, closet. Some indigenous peoples. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely a good way to put it. So we're we're kind of already in our uh, opening segment, the decompress, where we're just gonna kind of shoot the shit a bit. Decompression time. Yeah. Uh, you you tell me that you have found a a funny wiki. You know how much <laughs> I love uh, fan wikis. Uh, exactly, which is why I knew that I needed to tell you this as soon as um as soon as I found it because I was thinking about what what I have been doing, and I realized that every year I end up looking up more and more mishaps that have happened at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, because <laughs> okay. I always think it's really funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The year and Barney th- popped. The year Barney popped, and it was like, I'm gonna look for a new video, or a new picture, or, like, maybe someone who was there as a child has grown up, and they now have Barney trauma from watching <laughs> Barney get impaled. And so I was looking, and I came across... Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade dot fandom dot wiki. There's a <laughs> fandom wiki. Okay, I'm looking this up. Yeah. Hold on. Now the the homepage and here's the thing. It originally it, it it immediately starts. Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade wiki is an unofficial encyclopedia for information related to America's best Thanksgiving tradition, and it looks it says it's unofficial. But I don't believe it. (laughs) (laughs) It looks... This is the most official, unofficial looking wiki I've ever seen. There's two... Under celebrities, top celebrity pages, Jimmy Fallon and the Roots, Evil Knievel, Mm -hmm. Al Roker, and Savannah Guthrie. There's over 2,000 pages on this wiki. And I can't get any sort of idea of, like, when it was made, who's running this. There's a Discord that I'm afraid to... F- that I'm- We'll get into this later. There's a Discord that I'm afraid to join. Parade units, novelty balloons. And, like, they have, like, these PR videos. Like, the this, this video with, like, people who, you know, tend to the balloons. Or, like... <laughs> There's, like, a different section on all the charities that Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade gives to, and I'm like, how is this not official? Who's running this? A balloon with animatronic features, such as moving arms or or head, is known as a balloonicle. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) there's so much to learn! I'm learning what- Chloe- Chloe the Holiday Clown- Ah! I don't like Chloe the Holiday Clown. Oh, God. Oh, why did double post? <laughs> oh, be nice. <laughs> Chloe the Holiday Clown is adorable. No. No, that's the orphan of clowns. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, there's like, it is like the exhaustive resource on, on everything. So the first thing I did look up was Barney. But there's not just Barney, there's every single iteration of Barney, and the Barney mm-hmm. and Friends float that follows behind him. Yeah, and then that's of course, what I'm like, seeing. 
I went and I looked for my most precious memory of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, and it was, of course, when Rick Astley was at the 2008 parade, and he performed <laughs> Never Gonna Give You Up on the Cartoon Network float. Yeah. It wow. was, and it, they have, like, the little blurb. They have, like, the little press release blurb that the um, NBC hosts are supposed to read as the balloon goes by. Yeah. This is thorough. I love this. It's so much. It, there's so much going on in here. Like, I was able to look up and see how, like, accurate, because 2019 was the first time as, like, my, as part of my huge foray into the bizarre world of the K-pop fandom, NCT127 was performing at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade that year. And I was like, (laughs) well, come on. Their page cannot be that thorough. Their page is so, like, is longer than some of the balloon pages. (laughs) It's so weird. There's so know. much work. I didn't There's know so they much had work. so many original characters. There's an entire... There, there's a whole community behind just the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And it's all compiled in this wiki. And I'm afraid to look at the Discord. Oh my god. Every high school band has Every a... Every high school band. Every color guard. McDonald's All-American High School Band. Yeah. Founded by Ray Kroc, founder of McDonald's. Yeah. And then of course oh, they, they have list like the directors for every wow. This is amazing. I'm going to this is this is so much. The and like numbers. They have their their original rocking toy floats like a rocking flamingo. Yeah. That's what I'm looking at. And the clowns. Oh my god, there's an entire section on clowns. There's the a clown core, the breakfast clowns, the funny farm clowns. <laughs> I mean, and this was precisely why I couldn't tell you what the wiki was that I had found. <laughs> I just needed to tell you when I got here. <laughs> Swing your partner round and round to get ready to <laughs> dance with these goofballs of the nanny. Oh my god. Hold on. I need to find some of this copy that you're also looking at, because I remember looking at some of it and just marveling. Oh, right. All Three Joes was last year. I <laughs> All do three love Steve's. the Macy's Parade. It it is kind of fun. Like, it kind of puts me in the Christmas spirit a little bit. The part of me that loves, like, kitsch by tradition... Yeah. uh, ...loves the Macy's Parade. I'm trying to recapture my whimsy. Uh Uh-huh. And enjoying the silliness of holidays. Like Christmas and Thanksgiving. Or the weirdness that is gearing up for Christmas on Thanksgiving. Mm Mm-hmm as the American tradition goes. I, I, I find a lot of... I'll find a lot of fun. I don't think... Like, it's kind of like Disney. The commercialization's kind of part of the charm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the sponsored floats are kind of... Like, it, everyone's in it. Like, you understand the level. Like, you, it, it's, it does what it says on the tin. It's bright and colorful and holds my attention. Yep. And you said there's a Discord. Do you think there's, like... They get into beefs... I'm afraid. Like, over, I'm afraid. over what b- balloons have been cut from the lineup? I, I hope so. I really do. I hope there's, like, petty drama. I hope over... that, like, like, when a balloon gets reintroduced, like, I'm seeing some of these can go for years without reappearing. Some yeah. of these original characters. I hope when one does reappear, they get into, like, petty Star Wars fan-level beefs of, like, well, why is his face blue now? All right, I need to. This is this is my bedtime reading material. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna tuck this away for later. Yeah, 
All right. I understand that you've been on your own journey recently. I I have. Um, I love a good video essay. I love listening to other people talk about uh, things I remember. I'm a mark for that. <laughs> uh, that that's kind of the foundation of this entire show. <laughs> right. Um, so I listened to all 30 hours of Quentin Review's, um, iCarly Saga. <laughs> Woo! So... That's, that's a lot. Uh, the Terminally Online probably have heard of this, or at least seen it, like, reposted around. Um, right. Qu- Quentin Reviews is, um, he's an internet video essayist. Um, I like a lot of his stuff. His, his videos on the History Channel are very informative. Um, but he kind of, starting, like, basically a year ago, he started this project where he was going to review the entire scope of Nickelodeon's iCarly, starring Miranda Cosgrove. Right, right. Um, and to do that, he was like, well, iCarly came about because they were trying to uh, capture the magic of Fred Frigglehorn on YouTube. Yes, I do remember and, that. And he, so he watched all the content related to Fred. Then he watched Ooh. all of iCarly, basically doing like a mini review for every episode, talking about like how the characters developed over the shows, the individual actors, behind the scenes trivia. Uh, and then That's a lot. I never knew this. iCarly had a spinoff called Sam and Cat. Yes, with uh, Ariana. With Ariana Grande, who is a cat, who was a character on the other Nickelodeon show, Victorious, and he's like, well, I can't go into the spinoff only knowing one half of the backstory. So then he right. watched all of Victorious and oh, did the same deal. Um, so each of these videos, like, uh, the Fred Figglehorn video is about three hours, 40 minutes. iCarly Part Jeez. 1 is four hours, 45 the longest one is the second Victorious video, which is eight hours. Wow. Um, it's so, like, I get it. I get hearing, like, oh, there's an eight-hour Victorious video, and that's part two. <laughs> it's easy, like... But I think that Quentin Reviews does a real great job of filling time, finding things to talk about. Um, like, he does, like, intermissions where he talks about the merchandise and things. Um... Like, how both these shows, for some reason, had limited edition, like, Build-A-Bears that he was able to get his hands on. Like, he, he puts his money where his mouth is and buys all this stuff. Right. Um, and over time, if you start watching it, I wouldn't, like, not in one sitting, but I did watch it, like, back-to-back, like, having it playing while I was working. Um, mm-hmm. you like, certain, like, running gags become apparent within the videos themselves. Like, he makes an off, like, he talks about how this has been a bonding experience for him and his dad, because his dad is likewise re-watching all of, like, Laverne and Shirley and Green Acres, and they'll, like, talk about, like, oh, what happened in your show? Oh, here's what happened in my show. And then, like, in one of the Victorious episodes, a character offhandedly mentions um, Laverne and Shirley, and Quentin cuts back to himself and has his dad dub him over, going, huh, that sounds familiar. Oh my god. (laughs) And And that setup and payoff are, like, five hours apart. But it's not, 
<laughs> but if you're, like, paying attention, there are so many, like, just bits. Like, his shirts in between, um, like, segments uh, that's just him are so terrific. At one point, he's just dressed as Doug Dimadone for no reason. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I think it, I think it's terrific, and, um, you know, there is something immensely satisfying to just thoroughness. Because yeah. sometimes I'll see, like, a video, like, oh, do you remember these weird Nickelodeon shows or something, or Cartoon Network shows? And they only, like, talk about it for, like, five minutes, and you want more, because yeah. you want the validation of remembering. Absolutely. Um, now, what's weird for me is I really didn't like iCarly, and I never watched Victorious. Yeah. Same. Um, uh, iCarly always bothered me because I think the show within the show wasn't very good, and that kind <laughs> of, the entire premise hinged on you believing that these two girls are the biggest internet stars in the world. Right. Um, Except it's just Dan Schneider trying to write teenagers. Oh, yeah, he also never, like, intentionally never mentions Dan Schneider by name. Good! There's but, so much content out there. But there's a lot of, like, huh, Dan. I wonder what poorly disguised fetish this this video is, where <laughs> a character's being held down and ketchup is being sprayed all over her feet. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, I've seen that clip enough for a lifetime. Um, yeah, and also, I never knew, like, I knew Ariana Grande started on a children's sitcom, it's I never she's knew. You can't recognize her on the show. No, she is a completely different shade. <laughs> <laughs> she's just a totally different person. Yeah. I think also Quentin has a very nice uh, voice for this kind of thing. He has a yeah. very nice deadpan, particularly when just, like, stating things outright. Like, and then Ariana Grande bounces away on her moon shoes. <laughs> it's just there's something inherently funny about that. No, I agree. That's that's amazing. <laughs> so, like, if you're the lead, uh, uh, and like, and one of them, he like intentionally has to like fill time for fifteen minutes, so the video's over eight hours because he knows he gets a ton of free advertising by people reposting, saying, "Oh, someone made an eight-hour victorious video." <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um. So, if you're the least bit intrigued, I think. Starting with, like, the I binged iCarly video. Um, what what it starts as is pretty much what it is for the duration of the experiment. He still hasn't finished. He needs to do part two of the Sam and Cat video where he has said on Twitter that it's going to get much darker because he's going to be focusing on um, Jeanette McCurdy's experience. Yeah. Um, and uh, actually, these videos got me to buy her book. Uh, ah, book I'm happy buddy. my mom died. Oh my god, I, like, was bawling by the end of the first chapter already. I know. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's my recommendation for the, uh, for the week. F solid. I love Quentin Reviews. This one was just always on the back burner because of how long it is. <laughs> it's very easy to drop in and out of. He even has intentionally, okay. like, um, intermissions set up. Okay, okay. That does make, that does, that does help it seem way more tangible way more achievable. I think I'm going to have to check that one out. Yeah. Um, you have cryptically put here, Fru did something FNAF related. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you ever, 
one day while not trying to just accidentally get sucked back into a fandom that you had no interest of re of refinding yes um yes. it happened <laughs> because i used to be like addicted to just following the bizarre fandom that is fnaf like the bizarre day-to-day drama that somehow was always burning that fandom down every other yeah. month yeah I think I was too. It's weird to say I was never a FNAF fan, but I was a fan of the FNAF fandom. Yeah. It, 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 yes, that was precisely it. Because like I played the first two like the first couple games and I was like, "Oh, these are good. They're fun. They're fun little popcorn games." And um sometimes like you don't really understand a hardcore insane fandom until you get pulled into one. And so I'm just sitting and minding my own business, enjoying the latest mini album from my favorite K-pop group, Stray Kids, where they've released a track called Give Me Your TMI. And already they're working on really trying to just make me just give up and say, yes, I, this is me. I am cringe royalty now. And this is what I do. Um, <laughs> because already the music video is when I say, I've said this before, but I'm going to stand by it the irreparable damage that Kingsman did to Gen Z men in <laughs> South Korea in general. Really? It, I, I don't know this. The entire music video was Kingsman and everything but outright logoing. It's, oh dear. Oh my god, I just it makes me want to just like crawl inside myself and zip myself up like a freaking acme black hole. It's terrible. <laughs> and so the whole most terrible part about it is that I love the song. It's my favorite in the entire album. Because but. because because it is a <laughs> Because it is a glitch hop track that takes me right back to 2015 and doing cram sessions in college. Okay, I don't, I don't know what glitch hop is, but I'll. I'll take Let me just it. put these words in your brain. Then, do you remember the Living Tombstone? Uh, on I'm YouTube. I'm a fan of puppeteers with their nagging fears. So yes. is pulling up the strings. Yes. Okay. And so as soon as the song hit the market, everyone was like. This is FNAF music. This This is FNAF music. (laughs) And so this came to me. FNAF have music? Oh, like the fan music. Living Tombstone did so many FNAF songs for Five Nights at Freddy's. And now it just came up to one day I'm just scrolling through TikTok and I just get just Five Nights at Freddy's edits of my favorite emotional support K pop boys. And it just keeps happening now. Now they just keep getting shoved at me. Like, it's just, here's Five Nights at Freddy's. With, because all the kids on, it's distressing. It's a lot. And I just keep getting sucked in and looking at, like, what happened to this fandom that now we just listen to any kind of niche electronica and we're just like, oh, it's like FNAF music. <laughs> and I'm just this video's so... also done in Minecraft. It should be said the video's done in Minecraft and it hurts so much. <laughs> like... <laughs> The fandom is trying to hurt me in every single way that I can perceive. And it's a really hard day to be a millennial in a fandom that's easily marketed towards Gen Z and younger. <laughs> yeah. It's a tough week. <laughs> so this... Man, this is... So this is an intersection of FNAF fans, Stray Kids fans, 
and Minecraft fans. In that video, yeah! In that edit? Oh my god! Because it's, like, made in Blender with Minecraft models for no that reason. That have FNAF skins. That have FNAF skins. Like, I don't even... What is a security breach? I'm scared to let Microplier tell me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm so not interested in the fandom anymore, but the more I keep looking at it, I'm just like, what is going on in there, the Five Nights at Freddy's fandom? Things, I think even by FNAF 2, I was sort of internally bo- tired of it, but also it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, goddammit, what's happening now? Who's... Like, alright, I'll watch the dang MatPat game theory on what oh. the, the lore is now. Oh. It's oh like, I don't like, I've never played any of the games. I don't have yeah. an interest to. They don't, they don't interest me. But at the same time, it just keeps creeping in, like you say, into yeah. other avenues. It's like, I'll be watching, like, people playing Gary's Mod, and then one of them just has a Glamrock Freddy skin. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I have to look at this now. <laughs> <laughs> no one asked for this. Why are you doing this to me? Yeah, that's I, pers- I think we're going to have to. I, I think someday down the line, we're going to have to look at what happened in Five Nights at Freddy's to that's, just weaponize tweens. That's, that's its own 30-hour <laughs> web video. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Otherwise known as a great future Bad Ideas episode. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right, let's talk about some real media. Let's talk about some old media. Actual um, media. Uh, so when I was in kindergarten, I told kids Tony Hawk was my uncle. Why? Cred. <laughs> it wasn't believable. So there was like, um, well, see, I was incentivized because we do this thing at the start of each week where we would tell stories like we'd raise our hand and the teacher would like, oh, what, what, what's your story? And yeah. the cool, the the, and then like three would get chosen, and then the class would vote on whose story was the best, and then what? the winner got to draw and write their story in a book that went what? for all to see. Yeah, and so that incentivized me to become the bullshitter that I am now. So I said, like, oh, over Christmas break, I went to visit my uncle, Tony Hawk, and we play- and we skated on his skate ramp. Can you skate? No. <laughs> and that won. And to this day, I am still, like, speculating, did the teacher know? Did she know? Because she let it happen. She let me say those words and then let the class vote that, yes, Sean's story about skating with his uncle Tony Hawk is the best story and deserving of the book of time. Um, I'm going to say right now, as someone who has worked with young children, she knew. But it was too funny not to let you not do it. So, well, it was funnier when we had parent-teacher night and my, my parents saw that. <laughs> In fact, I have a very vivid memory of my dad saying, like, Tony Hawk is not your uncle. And me just kind of shrugging, going, anything to get in the book. (laughs) (laughs) I did what I had to do. So that's my my relation to Tony Hawk. um, And I watched Tony Hawk until the wheels fall off. Okay, okay. Which is a a documentary released last year. Um, I think the most of it was filmed pre-COVID times. Okay. Um, And... 
what this is, is it sort of just covers Tony Hawk's, well, it's not just that it covers Tony Hawk's life, because how it, what, the part I want to talk to about isn't that, um, but it is fascinating how he just kind of came in and became, he basically rewrote the sport. Yeah. The idea of doing tricks while in the air did not exist until Tony Hawk, when he was, yep. like, super young. They called him a rodeo clown. Because he was doing all this wacky stuff that no one else could do. And they're like, this isn't skateboarding. And it's so weird to, like, now. It's like, no, yeah, it is. That's what the sport became. And he was the start of it. Which is so bizarre that there was... That all, like, the pro skaters in the documentary are like, no, yeah, that was Tony. That was Tony when he was 13. There's not even, like, one person that's like, actually, on the East Coast, there was this guy who was doing it as well. No, Um, and... It was all him, and that's so funny because I was obsessed with Tony Hawk when I was in elementary school. Yeah. Um, and then when the doc gets up to, like, it it covers him up to, pretty thoroughly, up to him doing the 900. And there's a okay. lot of footage of Tony Hawk just eating shit. The first five minutes of the documentary are wordless, like him trying to pull the 900 off at his current age of, like, 54. Right. Um... It's just a lot of footage of him eating shit, and then he pulls it off, and then it, like, just basically skips over, like, the X Games, the Pro Skater series, etc., etc., and, like, what, when you become the pinnacle of your sport, when you're so young, what do you do with the rest of your life? Like, you've already done everything. Yeah, and it just gets into a really fascinating place of, like, the answer kind of is, kill yourself slowly. Oh my god! Um, cause Tony's, like, they kind of put out, like, Tony doesn't really do it for the medals, he doesn't do it for the clout, he does it because it's a coping mechanism. Like, he even says, like, one time I was, there was a snowstorm, and I had, like, a fight with my wife, and I went out there with the shovel, like, gotta clear out, uh, get the snow off the coping mechanism, which is, like, the skateboard ramp. Oh my god! And things like that, and it's like, um... You know, the, the name and the title of the thing is Until the Wheels Fall Off. And that is the vibe you get, that he is going to do this until it kills him. And that's just sort of a weird vibe to end the documentary on. Yeah, like, that's a that's a really weird kind of, like, never-meet-your-idols sort of feeling yeah. to have. Especially when he is, like, a hero to so many athletes today still. Yeah, and it's just, like, because I, I said, like, you know, what, um, I was watching this with my dad, and he was like, well, you don't, like, you know, you don't need to do skateboarding anymore, you're a, you're a millionaire, you know, you mm-hmm. have your, you have your shoe deals, or what have you. Right. But it kind of becomes apparent that, like, it, it, no, Tony kind of needs this, because he doesn't know how to process the rest of the world. <laughs> And it's that thing of, like, he became famous by being good at something when he was so young. That brought him happiness when he was so young. Yeah. So young. And how that kind of, like, you know, it's that perfect intersection of it makes me happy, it makes me money, it makes me famous, um, and how that can kind of mess you up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's brought him so much, but at the same time, it's also, like, really put him into this box that he 
may never able like never be able to leave mm-hmm. safely. <laughs> and there's like there's a really dark scene towards the end where they're like recreating one of the uh, like skateboard videos that they mm-hmm. did um, when they were kids, like him and a bunch of other skaters. And he just like takes a bad hit to the back of the head, and Ooh. it's like him lying there. And people around him, like, do you know your name? Do you know, like, where you are? Right. Um, and it's, like, this dark moment. I think, like, one of the people says, like, are we about to see him die? Oh my god. Um, yeah, so I think I think the documentary's really worth watching for that angle. Um, and also it's just kind of, like, historical in that way. Like, really getting into how skating blew up. Yeah. Um, and kind of what a big deal it is to a lot of different, uh, communities. Oh, absolutely. And again, like, he's had, like, his influence is so overreaching. Like, yeah, he has the brand, he has the shoes, he has the gear. But it was, like, kids in the 90s weren't interested in wearing safety gear. Even. And Tony was the one that's like, no, I'm always going to skate in a helmet. I am always going to skate in a helmet. You are never going Mm -hmm. to see me without one. Yeah. And that was huge. I mean, like, and he was such a huge part of even just the X Games becoming a thing. Oh, yeah. And when it's showing, like, the first X Games where he pulls off the 900, the, the crowd is tiny compared to what it yeah. is now. Yeah. And it's just, he's so instrumental in the universality of this sport now. Mm-hmm. And, like, just its reach. It's It really is. Like, you have... It sounds like the documentary really gets into something that people probably think of but don't really internalize when they look at the star that is tony hawk or other similar sports stars where that kind of stardom is still just as taxing if not more in some ways than other kinds of celebrity Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah uh so that that's my other recommendation for the week go watch if you have a an hbo subscription it's available on there all righty that definitely was that definitely was um having emotions, as was worded in the in the outline. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds um, really good. I'm gonna have to look at that. Uh, so we're gonna move on from the decompress onto the next segment, the show and tell. Show and tell time. Uh, this is a segment where both of us have kind of gone out into the wilds and found something to show to the other host and the audience. Uh, from from the wilds of the internet, right? Um, so I'm I'm up first. Yep. Now, uh, Fru. Yes, yes, Murph. Have you have you played a game called Half Life Two? No. Do you know of it? Yes. Okay. Okay. Good. That's that. That's that's <laughs> enough so far. That's now, half of the requirement. <laughs> Are you familiar with a game called Star Fox Adventures? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to share you a little YouTube video. Okay. Um, and I want you to play it on mute for yourself. Just just, just to look. Just to see. On, on mute. Okay. And just even feel like free to skip around. and. <laughs> so descri- describe to the audience what you're looking at. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So... <laughs> well, I'm assuming it is Half-Life 2. Yeah, I actually it's Half-Life don't 2 gameplay footage. 
I, I'm familiar with the I'm familiar with Star Fox as a franchise. I'm familiar with the game. Mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with any characters. Oh, okay. But so I'm going that's to say, Crystal the Fox. Okay, because I was going to say this looks like furry bait. So that's that's Crystal the Fox. Okay. Um, who is like kind of the main character of Star Fox Adventures? Right. Right. She's very popular. I can tell. And here, here it's a um, she is replacing the character of Alex in Half Life Two, who oh. is kind of like the companion character um, alongside Gordon Freeman. Okay. Um, who is like the one holding the crowbar there? Right. Right. So this mod completely replaces Alex with with Crystal the Fox. Wow, that's really and they thorough. got the voice actress. Oh my god! They got Estelle er- uh, Estelle Ellis, the <laughs> voice actress for Crystal in Star Fox Adventures, to re-record all of Alex's dialogue as Crystal the Fox. I'm rolling some of it back now and like listening to her. Uh-huh, she gives, she gives a good performance. Holy crap. Yeah? I mean, like, wouldn't you take that if you were a voice, if you were a voice actor, wouldn't you take that? I, it's a f- I assume she was paid. Like, I, I'm assuming know. she was paid. That, oh um, my god. That and is... I know that she doesn't really get a lot of voice work now. Uh, she's a CEO for Mad Cats. Well, uh, the defunct Mad Cats? Yes. Oh, no. Well, Mad Cat's Europe. Oh, okay. Um, but also, who needs this? <laughs> you know exactly who needs this. I know who needs this, but also, like, I just think of the time, I think of the effort, I think of the strange email you had to write to Estelle Ellis saying, hey... Do you want to re-record all the dialogue from Half-Life 2? <laughs> I, I don't even know, know really the, like, the legality of that. That's the thing that's concerning me. Because like, like doing a model replacement, I don't think Nintendo's going to come after your ass. But How I also loud don't is know... this? Yeah. Oh no, this is a custom model. You can tell because of how it jiggles. <laughs> I didn't want to comment on it. I wanted yes. to be classy. I was going to say something like, I like how her tail moves. Mm-hmm. You know, it does. it's not really clipping through anything unnecessarily. Pretty good work there. Oh, there's, like, the, the mod maker has a ton of videos about the production of this. Like, how he's had to edit voice lines manually to remove mention of Alex. Because that's not Alex, that's Crystal. But there's an Alex mentioned in the beginning of the clip. Uh, that might be the subtitles, I don't know. Um, Okay. This is also an early video, not not the finished version. Uh, Custom animations to make sure it all looks right. Wow. Um. It's just fascinating to me. It's it's a lot. Like, model replacements are a dime a dozen, but getting the official voice actress... That's special. To voice it. That's incredible. That is not heard of. And it's just like, you know, furries have so much money. They do. They really do. And that's the, that's the best part. The older you get, the more you find out that 
a lot of people that you don't expect to have money have a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Or just have different priorities about spending money. Right. You know? Right. I feel like yeah. I was raised to spend money somewhat frugally, conservatively. Like, uh, the when whenever I want to, like, support an artist on Twitter, and they're like, oh, give me a commission. I'm like, oh, well, I'll commission once I'm making more than $20 an hour. And then? <laughs> uh, and then? And then I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's no, a big I know. If, or when. It's, it's the exact same thing. I'm traumatized from spending a lot of money, and then the things I spend money on are stupid. Yeah. Uh, to um, compensate. But then I also get you know, hung up on, do I really want to spend $100 on groceries? And then I have to remind myself, that's food. Yeah. Yep. So, so just sharing that. Also, I want to give a shout out that the, the website that this story broke from is right. called Crystal Archive, which is um, a website dedicated purely to news about Crystal the Fox. I'm really glad you said news. I thought that was going to be a different word. No. <laughs> No. But I'm uh, glad I'm glad to hear it's news. And I'm very not surprised to hear that such a website exists. Yeah. Do you think Ellis knows? Like that's gotta be a weird relationship to a character. She has to. Some Do you think she knew some when she fan, was recording it. That I don't know, but I was gonna say, like, some fan with no self awareness had to have been like I found out about it on the Crystal Archives. See, I would be horrified that, like, of opening a floodgate. Like, oh, you voiced the Half-Life 2 mod. Why won't you have voice? My, my MLP machinima. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there you go. That's my artifact. Well, speaking of voice acting, Murph, I have mm -hmm. I have a task for us today. Yes. Um, I am a sucker for a spec script. I think it's really important for any burgeoning writer to look at other people's scripts and other people's spec scripts especially. Because mm -hmm. what a spec script does is you already have the, the, the material already in tangible form. It's already existing. Mm -hmm. It's already in the wild. The characters are in place. There's already everything's already done for you. You just have to yes. make a good script that that kind of just sells you on existing within that canon. Yes. And one of my favorite spec scripts in the past few years is from comedian and writer Billy Domino, who in 2016 penned a spec script for Seinfeld called The Twin Towers. Yes. And I hold this spec script very dear to my heart, not just because it is in many ways spot on to the show, but in many ways is just elevated enough so that you know, in no way would this have ever been filmed. It, this, so, pull back the curtain, I knew about this beforehand. Yes. Because this is kind of going to be the wild card segment for this episode. Right. Um, but we decided to rein it in a bit. Um, yep. In a way, I feel like this script is sort of the genesis of this show. Because uh, <laughs> when you first showed it to me, you and I were like, we should do a dramatic reading of this. And, and put like it on the so Discord. 
so many things that are like, but we don't have an outlet for this. Yeah. <laughs> no, we do. And it's just like, I, I, I haven't read it all the way through. I need to finish Act 3. Oh. But it is so... It's just done right. It and really there's no is. other way to say it. It's like, yes, if there was a Seinfeld post-9-11 episode <sighs> about the feeling, about being, like, a week after the tower's falling, this is what it would be about. This is, but, like, obviously there were so many reasons why it never existed. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, but- Absolutely, we're, we're gonna make that clear. We don't want this to have happened. <laughs> Let me just- can I just do- the, the the Jerry opening monologue. <laughs> okay, yes, please. Give people the idea. Please. Now, my Seinfeld impersonation is not... Seinfeld's hard to do. Uh, it's uh, it's kind of hard. Jer- Jerry's kind of tough. Um, But just like... So, so it's, you know, the opening where, where Jerry's doing a bit at his comedy club, and he's like, You ever think they get backed up at the gates of heaven? Too many people die at once? Just overwhelms the system? It's gotta be like a DMV on a Friday. Everybody take a number, you'll be judged in the order you slip the surly bonds of Earth. God's angry at St. Peter. What's going on? Keep the line moving. I've got three angels on vacation. What do you want? All these poor souls just standing around reading old magazines. This is an eternity. I could have been in hell by now. End of cold open. Spot on. It's just like, yes, that is what Jerry Seinfeld would do a bit about. Absolutely. And it should be said that every every plot line in this that all the principals get is pitch perfect. Um, yeah, I love yeah, Elaine again, Bennis with every fiber of my being. And this is the yeah. one of my favorite Elaine things to ever happen, and it's not even canon. Yes. It kind of, yeah, it, it just is. So, like, it's it, it opens with, like, George... Uh, Watching like a police officer give like a speech, like thanking right, like the, the Yankees. The Yankees are like holding a special benefit for the first responders, and yeah. George is making an ass of himself as usual. George is like, "All right, well, you know, aren't you excited? You got to be a hero." Yeah, and like, just... and and the firefighters like three of my friends died. It's so because you can just. <sighs> Oh my god, because George, it's so, well, men in your profession, you want to save lives, face danger head on, if there was ever a time. <laughs> like, the firefighter, like, almost bites his head off, just, buddy, I watched the South Tower of Collapse on half my engine, you saying I wanted that to happen? <laughs> it just, yeah. Oh god. I think, so, so- we, <laughs> you have talked me into restraining myself. Which I believe is the class move here. If if you we are gonna read some choice bits from yeah. from Act One. Yeah. And if you if the listeners uh be, become vocal, we, we can wrote we can make it a regular uh segment, readings from the Seinfeld nine eleven script. Right. Yes we can. And it should be said if you if if the if we want the public to become active, they have to have an avenue with which to do that. You can direct all your inquiries to this podcast is a bad idea at gmail dot com. Yes, or uh, join the the Twin Geeks Discord and at us there. Or maybe someday, maybe we will have our own Discord that people will be afraid to join. Well, that's big thinking. That's big thinking. I got big dreams. 
but um, yeah. Let's, let's... So I want to I want to pick up where um where Elaine's plot starts. Oh God! On page oh, seven. Laney. Oh, Lainey. Um. So so they're in the where they're in the diner. Because Jerry um, has a great one too. Oh my god! Yeah. So Jerry, Jerry is uh, reprimanding George for his behavior because when Elaine comes in, and then Jerry. So I, I'm on page seven. Do you want? Do page you want to take Elaine? Yeah. You at you at the top? Yeah. Um. I was gonna start middle of Jerry's uh line. Uh. Hey. By the way. Okay. So, yeah. Let, let let let's go. Let's go. Hey, by the way, I'm I'm so so sorry about that guy you were seeing. Brian? Meh. Meh? What do you mean meh? He was murdered by terrorists. I was gonna break up with him anyway. I thought you liked him. He was nice, but in conversations he was just so animated. It was like dating a radio sound effects guy. Anyway, save me an awkward dinner. Well, as long as it worked out for you. I hate that I can hear the laugh track. I hate that I can hear the laugh track, because that's funny. Kramer enters and rushes to the table, sitting next to Jerry. Hey, you remember my crazy friend Moata? The guy you fish sit for when he goes to Florida? What about him? Look at this. Kramer hands Elena newspaper. She reads... The leader of the hijackers has been identified as Egyptian national Mohammed Adda. Get out! Elaine okay, so shoves Kramer from across the table. <laughs> this is the part that almost certainly would not make it to air. No! <laughs> you know how he was always talking about how evil America was? Eventually I told him, why don't you do something about it? I thought he'd write to his congressman. Kramer! He just crashed a plane into the World Trade Center. <laughs> he slit the pilot's throat with a box cutter. Not a box cutter, Jerry. My box cutter. He borrowed it last week. Elaine, get out! You have to do something! Oh, you better believe it. I'm getting that box cutter replaced. <laughs> Jerry, is, to Elaine. Is this it? Is this how the world ends? Jerry, this was a Matsuyama. The finest parcel opener produced in all of Hokkaido Prefecture. Triple reinforced grip. When you're slicing with that, baby, oh mama, you feel like a grocery clerk on Christmas morn. Kramer rises so, from the booth. Oh my god. We may have lost our neighbors, but the bleeding stops here. And then he's gone. And then, then we pick up Jerry's problem, which is that there's dust everywhere. And not just dust. But as he specifies, he can't, because he gets a sandwich, and it's got dust on it, and he specifies, I can't eat around this, (laughs) this could have been a person. A dusty sandwich? (laughs) And he, so he asks, he asks Larry, the manager, to to bring him a new sandwich, but... Larry replies, Dust! Three thousand people are dead, you know. Well, I know. I just this whole city has dust on it. Our hearts are covered in dust. You're gonna eat that sandwich, or you're not gonna eat at all. He doesn't get anything until he eats that sandwich. Thinks he's too good for dust. That dust is America. Oh my god. Um. <laughs> so at that point, Jerry and George go, 
And George is mistaken for someone that pulled... Like, so a lady comes up to him and is like, you're the man that pulled me out of the rubble. And George, and George... seeing an opportunity, says yes. Yes, yes I am. <laughs> so the rest of Act 1 escalates that. Like, J- Jerry can't kiss his girlfriend because she works at Ground Zero and has dust on her teeth. Oh, God. It's... <laughs> It's such a lovely script. It really my is. Favorite, my favorite sequence has to be, in, in Act 1, is Kramer going to, like, the claims administration oh he to get, to like, get repla- where people are going back. to, like, to get replacement, um, like, it's like the insurance, like, they're getting payouts for the stuff they lost. Yeah. And, and he's like, oh, the mood is dead in here. What are you waiting for? And a man says, Tower 7 fell on my dog. Oh my god! (laughs) It's just, god. People are so creative. People are so, you give, there's some people, you give them a bit and they run with it. And like, it should be said, like apparently Billy, Mr. Domino used to write for like The Onion and yeah. this gave him, like, mainstream work. Like, he did some episodes on Family Guy. He's a writer on SNL right now. Good for him. Like, that's literally what you want your spec script to do. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. you want it yeah. to get your foot in the door. And I'm not gonna say that it was it was because of Seinfeld, the Twin Towers, that got him those jobs. But clearly you can see, like, the I man has an understanding. I take pride it's, in yeah. it. And, yeah. like... I would... I would... <laughs> I would go on comedians getting coffee in the car, whatever it's called, yeah, and I would yeah. pull it out and put it threateningly on the dashboard across from Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh my god. Um. So, 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 dear listener, if you want to know how all these plot lines pay off, uh, be vocal. Be, be loud. vocal. Be, be, be yes. We are going to um, tackle the ever-growing problem of self-promotion. Send us an email at this podcast yes. is a bad idea at gmail.com. And yes, we and will... next, next episode we may do some listener mail. Yes, I'd love to do some listener mail. Send us an email. Maybe I'll send you a pair of socks. Oh, <laughs> dang, I didn't know we were doing bribes. Um, so, you know what I noticed? There is, you know, my... My show and tell. Yeah. And show and tell is done. Everyone go put an apple on teacher's desk. But my show and tell was about a blue alien, and yours is about uh, post-9-11 disillusionism. That is true. That is what happened. Um, How funny. Those tie in to our topic of the week. Our, Our main topic. Get on with it. We're we're going to be looking at James Cameron's Avatar and the fan base around it. Is there one? What are they up to? What, what are, are they, they now doing? Avatar, I think, has always been one of the strangest cultural artifacts because it genuinely was one of the highest-grossing movies of all time. Yeah. Not adjusted for inflation. You adjust for inflation, it's still gone with the wind. Um, I did. This was my senior capstone in high school, was the highest grossing films. Um, Oh. But 
And, but then it came out, and then it just kind of vanished. It just and kind people, of stopped. It kind like I asked some people, you know, being kind of subtle about my intentions. But I was like, "What do you remember about Avatar?" And it was like, "That's the blue cat people movie," and they like right. fuck with their braids. Um, we'll get. But now, <laughs> finally, this Christmas, James Cameron is doing more. About yes. ten years later, more than ten years, uh, thirteen years later. He is releasing Avatar 2 Way of the Water. And it seems like kind of it's creeping back into the cultural zeitgeist, but I have always been intensely curious about, like, what does a fan... When someone says, like, Avatar is their favorite movie of all time, what does that look like? What does that mean? And so I guess... I guess if we roll it back, for the time travelers at home, what is James Cameron's Avatar? Okay, so listen up. Here's the story about a guy that lives in a blue world. Um, <laughs> the year is 1995. James Cameron has wrapped Titanic, and he has a dream, a vision. He has a literal dream about uh, some blue people out in space, and he wants to make a movie about it. So he writes an 80-page treatment, um, which we kind of read. I thumbed through it. Um, it's neither really here nor there. Um, it's a but, treatment. <laughs> yeah, about like a planet out in space, and humans can't survive the atmosphere, so they need to transfer their brains into these like synthetic uh, natives called the Navi um, and walk around. That's where the term Avatar comes from. That's the Avatar of the title. And right. then it just sort of sat on that, and he was like, I need to wait until the CG technology is there for me to make this a reality. And he didn't make right. anything else. Um, he said, like, I found an interview with him from, like, 2006 where someone asked him, like, oh, how's your Avatar movie going? And he says, like, well, I read that one. it's either going to be that or Ailita Battle Angel. Yeah. Which sucker punched me in the face. <laughs> I had no idea that was a James Cameron passion project. Uh, you know, it's... <sighs> I swear I've seen so much footage of him now wearing a Battle Angel shirt, even. <laughs> yeah. Like, he clearly loves it. It was, it like, is, like... It's so surreal seeing those things all fall into place around the same time. Yeah. Um, and then he did, like, a, he had ILM do some test footage for Avatar in 2006, which kind of got passed around, and it finally entered production in 2007. And then released in 2009... Um, towards the tail end, and just was in theaters, I think, for, like, a record-breaking 35 weeks or something. Yeah, it was something ridiculous like that. And earned, uh, just all the billions at the box office. Yeah, because everyone was like, you need to see the crazy movie, it looks really good, you should still see it in 3D. Yeah. So what are your memories of, like, the lead-up? The lead-up? Like, I don't really remember anything like there's so many movies where i can kind of remember even where like what theater i saw them in who i went to go see it with i have none of those memories for avatar i just know that i saw it was the crazy I, thing I, I kind of remember the night i went to go see avatar um because it was uh, my my parents like to bring it up all the time that i was like literally leaning forward oh. um to, to capture the magic, because we saw it in the real 3D. This was when 3D oh, wow. was super big. Yeah. Um, and we saw it, like, on the IMAX screen with the 3D. Um, 
But then, like, I don't really remember having any emotions after the fact. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. And I think it's because Avatar is a movie that's really easy to get cynical about. Right. (laughs) Like, even at the time, people were cynical about it. Like, oh, this is Dances with Wolves in Space. Yeah, and that was the huge thing that I remembered hearing a lot of was people dunking on it but not even like that year it was always like a year or so after it um Mm -hmm. we had a teacher whose thing was he would show dances with wolves i think it was like one of like the senior history teachers Mm -hmm. he would just show dances with wolves at the end of the school year when you have nothing to do and i think eventually the joke was becoming can't we watch avatar instead (laughs) yeah um, now we did re-watch it in prep for this, because I literally have not seen it since theaters. Yeah, and in like, fact, for... in how fact, old when I was doing my senior capstone on the highest grossing movies, I rewatched all of them except for Avatar, because I was like, I have a clear <laughs> enough memory of Avatar, I don't need to rewatch it. Yeah, because how old were you when Avatar came out? I would have been 13, 14. See, because 2009, I was 13. No, wait. <laughs> and that felt wrong to me. Like, there's not that much of a difference between us. I am only a couple yeah. years older than you. Yeah, but that difference can be vast in terms of shared experience. It feels so much later in in time and space than when it happened. 2009 is like, that's that's fresh Obama era. And that is like a different planet. That's when, like, optimism was high and it yeah. felt like change <laughs> so 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 you you have the top grossing movies help me place avatar culturally because so this is this is super interesting like i think this unlocks uh how this happened um because avatar released like super oh, come on there like was it a Thanksgiving movie or, or a Christmas no, movie? No, it was it was Christmas. Um, Ooh, okay. So 2009 actually has a lot of like heavy hitters, right? In terms of like releases throughout the year, we have okay. Twilight, New Moon, Holy Harry Potter, Half Blood Prince, Up, Pixar's Up, The oh Hangover, J.J. Abrams Star Trek. Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Squeakwool. <laughs> There's no way I was 13. Taken released that year. Ponyo released that year. I mistyped on my calculator. I was 16. Okay. <laughs> I mean, All of this makes a lot more sense for where I was in time and space at that time. Avatar makes a lot more sense along with, alongside things like The Hangover. That's all you had to say. Yeah. So, Avatar released December 18th, so super tail end of the year. The only things that really, that I can see that would have been in competition with it mm-hmm. is the squeak wool, <laughs> um, <laughs> Princess and the Frog, Ooh. which is not heavy competition, admittedly. No. And then, super towards the end of the year, the 20th, released on Christmas Day, Robert Downey Jr.'s Sherlock Holmes. Holy crap. Oh my god. 
So really, Avatar's not in competition with the rest of 2009 for, like, why it got so high earning. Instead, right. you gotta look at what released early 2010s, and let me tell you, it's a tell goddamn me. wasteland. Oh, of course, it's January. Daybreakers. Ugh. <laughs> Uh, Youth and Revolt my, with Michael Sarah, Spy Next Door with Jackie Chan. I liked Youth Legion. <laughs> okay. Um, even like even going into February, like Valentine's Day with with uh, Taylor Swift. Uh, you were very you you were screaming about the fact that was the year my name is Khan came out speaking oh of 11 oh my god <laughs> I cannot believe that avatar came out right around the time my name is Khan came out it, like I don't this is getting towards the tail in avatar's run in theaters I don't see any competition until March 5th 2010 Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland <laughs> oh fuck. Yeah, I mean, which like, is not a good movie, but it is competition for Avatar. All I can see that was like in there was maybe right at the beginning, maybe Princess of the Frog, because the whole thing was that oh my god, it's hand drawn. Yeah, that was the giant pull of the movie. So I assumed that there was a lot of Disney fans. In fact, for that. I don't see a super heavy hitter until March twenty sixth. How to Train Your Dragon. Ooh, yeah, that's another huge spectacle movie. Yeah, it's similar plots. But also, <laughs> like, like a lot of these, if I'm like, would I rather watch Avatar in theaters or any of these in theaters, I, I would pick Avatar for so many of these. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think that's super informative to why it got all the monies. Yeah, that's really, actually, I never even thought about it. It's really enlightening as to how uh, this happened. Yeah. Um, so as for the movie itself... Coming back to it 13 years later, for, yeah. for the both of us, it sounds like. Uh, yeah. You know what? It holds up. Surprisingly uh, you know? much better than I remember. It's it's more tolerable than I remember. I was thinking, like, oh, this is, like, going to be some cliched nonsense. Yeah, like, I went in with it with this... I went in expecting it to be schlock. Yeah. And that was... But, like, it came out and it was, like, a solid 7 out of 10. Where it was like, hey, that's that's not bad. You yeah. know, there was there were some things in the story that I'm not big on at all. Mm -hmm. But it's a gorgeous movie. Like, Zoe Saldana is, like, a goddess. Uh, Sam Worthington so Sam carries Worthington. that movie way better than I remember. Like, remember when Sam Worthington was the new hotness? He was so uh, hot for a good minute, and then Clash of the Titans happened and destroyed his career. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? He was like, I like Jake Sully as a character. That was the thing that really, like, that was my giant revelation here, was that I always think back, up until this point, Jake Sully was like this meathead who doesn't belong in the movie, but yeah. that's absolutely not the case. You kind of need, like, the, the thing I wrote in my rewatch notes is like, he is no broader painted than any other James the James Cameron character. Mm -hmm. like he has some meat on his bones like it's you know he has a reason to be involved he has a reason to be invested in what's going on i actually really like the dynamic of like the navi have been rejecting all of the negotiators 
from the military or the corporation, and they've been rejecting the scientists because they all just want something from them. Yeah. And Jake is like, I am Jake comes just in and says, no warrior. thoughts, head empty. Yeah, he's like, I am just a lost warrior, and I am ready to take whatever it is you give me. I am humble. And also, I think that this girl's really hot. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. it's... They kind of have, like, that weird Trinity Neo thing, where, like, mm-hmm. the universe tells Neytiri to fall in love with this guy. <laughs> yeah, the entire plot, like... <laughs> we'll we'll get into this, but it's like, if it wasn't for, I'm gonna guess, actual space magic, Neytiri would have shot him dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If it like, wasn't was... for the god of the Navi telling her that he is special. Yeah, there's a lot of conveniences in the plot. But, it at the same time, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, we got that out of the way, now we can tell the story that we want to tell yes like it does feel, it's a really expedient efficient somehow two plus hours long action movie within the first 20 minutes you get the entire premise yes which is super impressive like um there's i i looked up like the extended cut that released to theaters earlier this year Ooh. and evidently there was a whole like opening 20 minutes that was cut where it's jake on earth and Ooh. him being approached by like the, the government being like, we want to send you into space. Oh my god, um, okay. And that's all cut from, like, the final release, and I think the movie's much better for it. I think so, I think the so. The fact that you never see Earth, because yeah. Earth, th- what it is in, like, the act, what they shot, is just, like, every dystopian cyberpunk Blade Runner you've ever seen. Boring. Whereas when I watch, like, Avatar without that included, I'm, like, thinking Earth is this desolate brown ball of, like... Death. It just looks like the Matrix. It, it just yeah. looks like Earth and the Matrix, and that's all I need it to be. But like when I think about things that did end up like detracting from the movie, it was <sighs> I don't know. There, there's some things that just like it, it's it's so there, it's so there, but like it just doesn't the reach middle that drags pinnacle. For me, the middle the does middle drag. drags. Um, like, like the whole, the whole learning, they don't, they can't really make the learning, the culture that interesting yeah. to show. Yeah. Um, but the finale, I do kind of gel with because I am a sucker for um, the everyone is here ending. Yeah. So when it's like, oh my god, the panther creature from the start of the movie has arrived to help the Navi. Exactly. I'm like, yes! Um... My dear partner did happen to come across me watching some material for this, and he was like, why do the Na'vi have horses? And I was like, probably because they need a ground mount and also to, you know, complete the picture of marginalized peoples. And he's like, you do know what's weird about that, right? And I said, the fact that the Native Americans had to also learn how to ride horses because they were not native to America. Yeah. <laughs> also, why do so, they have six legs? Getting into, so, like, the production thing, side yeah. of it. Like, James spent ten years building Pandora. Yeah. Um, when they, um, there was a, there's an art exhibit that toured around America. It came to uh, the Oregon Museum of Science, OMSI. Oh, wow. That was, like, different exhibits showing, like, oh, um, James consulted, like, a biologist of, like, how would a planet 
rotating around a gas giant, like, in these, like, parameters, how would it develop? And that's where he got, like, the idea for, like, a jungle setting. And then it was cool. like, okay, consulting biologists, how would creatures evolve in such a setting? Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, if it's a largely, like, jungle, then creatures are going to develop more limbs so they can, um, manage easier, and that's why everything on Pandora has six limbs, except for the Navi. Okay, and also I was thinking, like, oh, the gravity is more dense, it's... Yeah. You need to be um, able to mobilize more. Okay, okay. I wonder um, how that's going to work with water. <laughs> and then consulting um, indigenous peoples to figure out, like, how a, a Neolithic tribe would, like, develop, and, like, uh, the Navi have a whole language. He consulted a, a linguistics professor who was whose mission goal was to make a language better than Klingon, better and more popular than Klingon. Wow. Um, the issue is, at the end of the day, it's still just Native Americans, horses, monkeys, panthers, and it so feels like you didn't have to do that, James. The way like, that I know I... you wanted to get scientific with it, but at the end of the day, it's indigenous peoples, monkeys, horses, and panthers. The way I wrote it in here is like, I love the designs, but it feels a little bit like we went through a supermarket mm. of, like, places that you'd like to go on safari or on tour or yeah. on a mission with a church group, and you just put things in a shopping basket. Yeah. And it's a gorgeous, like, like what is your favorite sci-fi movie? Ooh, that's tough. Um... I think right now my gut is telling me Alien. Okay, okay. And, and Alien is such a good one also. I adore Alien. As far as a recent one, I loved um, Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. I thought you it mean was... live, die, repeat. Well, yes. <laughs> Edge of Tomorrow. Just leave it there. And the thing that's so perfect about it just like every other amazing amazing sci-fi movie, is the world building is all practical. You can yeah. understand. And the parts that are more fanciful, they're easier to blend in because there is so much that does work. Like, the reason I didn't say what my actual favorite sci-fi film is is because it's The Fifth Element, and I get a lot of shit for that. <laughs> you know what? I like The Fifth Element. I only saw it for, like, the first time earlier last year. But I like it, it, has, I dig it. It has the quit smoking cigarettes, and that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, oh. but you look at the sci-fi in Avatar, and a lot of it is either overdone or underdone for the 200-year blast into the future that we're doing. Yeah. Where it's like, you say we've moved ahead 200 years, but Sigourney Weaver's still smoking cigarettes. They're <laughs> CGI cigarettes. <laughs> yes. It should be said. But there's still cigarettes, and she's still smoking, and we're still being like, oh, video logs are weird and time-consuming. Yeah, yeah. There's some weird world-building as far as the science part of it in-universe goes that kind of makes it feel like we never wanted to focus on the humans in the first place. Mm-hmm, and that kind of seems what he's doing going forward, but we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. So, so, you you had the numbers I, on on what was coming out at the time, but like, what did we think at the time? Like, what do you, like do we know what the critics said? 
I think, um, so I have a, I found an article by Slate. Ooh. Uh, titled, Here Comes the Cats with Human Boobs. Is Avatar <laughs> Destined to Flop? Oh, no! Um, and it's just this long, bitter screed about how it's too silly a premise to make money. I guess it uh, is kind of high concept for general audiences, maybe? Here's the... Uh, Avatar, it finally clicked with me. Avatar is airport novel sci-fi. Ooh! Ooh, yes, that's good. That's a good it's one. It's super... Like, when I was reading James Cameron's influences, he was yeah. like, oh, uh, Edgar Riceboro's Barsoom stories. Like, that's John Carter of Mars. And he yeah. was like... And Dune. And I'm like, oh my, the Dune definitely checks out and makes me worried for the future of the franchise. Oh no. But it's like, yes, it's where it's basically a super high concept, but it's also telling, like, the simplest story imaginable in that yeah. setting. Yeah. Um, and so that checks out. And so, like, the ending uh, paragraph of this article is, the one weak point here may be the romance angle. Avatar will need repeat business to be a true smash. Obviously, most of that will depend on whether or not the movie is any good. It will require, though, that Avatar appeal to women. In Titanic, Leonardo DiCaprio kissed Kate Winslet. In Avatar, Sam Worthington smooches a cat lady. An industry analyst who's seen the studio tracking data tells me that the XX crowd has yet to cotton on to the later image. <laughs> Compare that to Sherlock Holmes coming out Christmas Day, which appears to be a true four-quadrant picture, appealing to under-25 men, under-25 uh, men, oh, over-25 men, under-25 women, and over-25 women. Which leads to one final Avatar question. Is it too late to make the cat girls look like Kate Winslet? <laughs> no, they look like Zoe Saldana and she's hot. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god. I, I watched I watched one current YouTuber try to posit why Avatar didn't last. And his entire thesis was that m women dragged men to go see Titanic Therefore, they'd lost trust in James Cameron. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> Which made my blood boil. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of... <laughs> it's just like, kind if of... You, if you're it's not, not Zoe the Saldana, same. there's even it's a Michelle the Rodriguez. It's not the same, and I swear, I, I, I don't try to rush to defend this franchise, but it does feel kind of like how I feel when I see film snobby people talking about, like, any given MCU yeah. entry. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like every single, oh, this'll be the one, this'll be the MCU movie to break the franchise. No, it Remember won't. Remember people were like, Guardians of the Galaxy? That has a tree person. It's Audiences like, aren't gonna relate to that. Like and the now they're making I like an still. I Am Groot show. Okay. Um, so it, it just kind of reminds me of that, and I kind of put I put in my letterbox review that there's not a single MCU movie I would watch over Avatar if given Fair. the option. Fair. But also, I think Avatar has more artistic merit and more to say than any given MCU movie. Uh, and that's fair. That's fair. That's, like, there's, there's a lot here. Yeah, and maybe I've just drunk too much of the Kool-Aid, sorry, Flavor-Aid, <laughs> but I believe... James Cameron believes in it, and that's so important. Yeah. Going to be so important going forward. 
That that really is. And I think we'll get into that because like as far as I can tell, there's always been and I guess we might be getting into the fandom part of it now, there's always been niches of the internet that have been highly dedicated to this movie. Yes. But the number one thing that's important is that the creator himself is so passionate about this movie still. Yes. So, moving on to the fandom, sort of the meat of the topic. I first went uh, where anyone on the modern internet would go. I went to Reddit. Right. R slash Avatar. Right. What are they doing? It's a lot of, of, like, posting screenshots and pithy posts of, like, showing how full a theater is for the Avatar re-release and being like, good numbers for a movie no one remembers. I know, everyone is so like, take that, general general population. So, just to, just to like, keep, you know, things in, 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 in perspective, um, there's a great website called Social Rise, where we'll show you the analytics, okay. analytics for any given subreddit. Right. So, the r slash avatar was made sometime uh, in, in late 2012. Okay. It had, what year do you think it broke a thousand subscribers? 2018? Late 2017. <laughs> when we first started getting Way of the Water news. It okay. is so middling. Like I'm seeing February 2015, 360 subscribers. And I used the Wayback Machine to look at, like, posts from then. It's a lot of, like, is this subreddit dead? Oh, no! Posts. Um, and a lot of reposting, like, the same. Like, James Cameron said he's still working on Avatar 2, 3, and 5. <laughs> 2, 3, 4, and 5. Um, and then, when we start getting more Way of the Water news, huge spike. Right now, it sits around 19k. So, Jeez, just for okay. comparison. What? So, good for them. Yeah, but just for comparison, just for comparison, I was thinking to myself, um, I know another subreddit that's recently gotten some good news and has currently 19k subscribers. R slash Age of Mythology. (laughs) Okay. So this is is one of my favorite games of all time. Right. Um, It just got a remake announced, like a full pretty remake, just recently. When do you think Age of R slash Age Mythology broke a thousand subscribers? Okay, 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 okay. So what's the start point? Um, started October twenty twelve. So twenty twelve. So about the same. About the same time. Yeah. Yeah, and then wh- when did we just? What did you first get the news of the sequel? Um, the news broke uh, October twenty fifth this year. But I want to say it had to be earlier than that. I'm thinking it had to be around the time of a remaster. Hmm. The remaster came out 2014. I want to say closer to 2014. March 2013. It broke a thousand. <laughs> and it kept a thousand. And it gained a thousand basically every year. <laughs> oh my god. So, an RTS from 2002 had more subscribers on its subreddit than the highest grossing film of all time. And I just think that's a little fascinating. Yeah, I I, I find it so 
so weird because like you know there's communities out there you always hear about it like i was even just going through and obviously there's giant sims communities for avatar yeah but like there was also like imvu which i spent real world money in imvu that the av like the, the the chat client with the 3d models oh oh wow okay yes yeah that takes like, me back Yes, I spent so much real-world money in that, and I remember seeing, like, rooms yeah. themed around Pandora, mm -hmm. and thinking, wow, that's for nerds, goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and I think that's kind of how all these communities were able to keep their privacy, almost. This will be a big theme, but I think a big aspect of the Avatar fandom is simply fascination with Pandora itself. Yes. With it's the not aesthetic. Even with, yeah. Or it's not like... I've seen some activity revolving around the characters themselves. I've like, seen I'll, a lot I'm of activity around one character. Yeah. We'll, we'll just say it. It's just Neytiri. Um, but... <sighs> Even when you look at places that make sense, like the first place I thought to look was fanfiction.net, AO3, what's going on? Yeah. There's three, about 300, give or take, fix on either website. You found some very choice crack slash fix. Oh, right. Okay. The yep. Glee Avatar crossover. It wasn't even that good. That was the thing that stunk about it. It has 12 chapters. And it's basically what if the what if the Glee Club had to go to Pandora? <laughs> oh my god. I like the one you found where it's a crossover with the thing and it yes. contains the tag AWA slash, slash the, the thing. thing. Which is the best ship I've ever heard of this year. I buy that 100%. <laughs> And also, there's also Le Petit Prince, like, tagged in yeah. here, and I never, I never figured out why? Because he's in space. I guess. What if, what if Le Petit Prince went to Pandora? It's so funny, because earlier today, I got my Amazon delivery for Le Petit Prince 75th Anniversary Edition. <laughs> I, um, I love that story. Yeah. What did it uh, do to deserve this? <laughs> also, I, I want to give a shout out before I forget. On on the the social rise, they go. They use the most word, used keywords for a subreddit. Yes. For r slash avatar, the most used word is mated, and then oh. let me count here: one, two, three. Uh, num the third most is paraplegic. And, oh. Uh, four, five, six, seven, eight. Number eight. Number eight. This haunts me. Number eight is bathwater. What? Why? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to know. <laughs> oh my god. Um, so, so that's the subreddit. And then I found the largest fan-made avatar community, a forum, Tree of Souls. Right. And that's where I did most of my research, because I'm not up on the TikToks or the AO3s. That's what I have you for. Exactly. Um, and I just kind of, like, nosed around there. Um, the most commented on thread is post your HD pictures of Neytiri. I did see that. Oh, oh, on r slash avatar, the fifth most liked 
most upvoted topic is Nateri top 15 nip slips. <laughs> I hate people. So, so anyway, um, it's just kind of a... Tree of Souls seems to be a very welcoming community. Yeah. But also... You ever talk with someone about their favorite movie, and you just want to, like, say to them they're wrong? Not necessarily <laughs> about liking it, but about what they're getting out of it. Because you and I were talking back and forth as we watched the movie. Yeah. And we were like, wow, this is so, like, disillusionment with the Iraq War. Like, the, the bombing of Home Tree is straight up, like, 9-11 imagery. The towers falling, Jake waking up in the ash. And I'm, pre I'm pretty sure we both used the exact same office reference to talk okay. about the 2000, like, the mid-2000s disillusionment with the, <laughs> with the Iraq War. Because, mm -hmm. like... And it's, and it's it, super interesting, because you remember what Avatar lost Best Picture to? The oh Hurt Walker. By uh, Catherine Bigelow. Oh, the power couple. It. We were going through a lot, and so you say, you say that we we really hooked onto it, but that maybe the Avatar fandom doesn't hook onto the right things. So what did they get out of Avatar? So, a lot of environmentalism, which you know is a theme of the movie, but it is there. Um. Let me see. Where's that one? So there's a thread. The, 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 one of the other longest threads is how to deal... Uh, ways to cope with depression of the dream of Pandora being intangible. Right. That's the one that's, like, linked in the CNN article. Yes. On people getting so, depression over the There movie. was, like, yeah. And the media cottoned on to this, this thread. And we're like, oh, people are feeling depressed about the highest grossing movie of all time and how they can't go to Pandora. Right. And some might even commit suicide. No one committed suicide as far as I can tell. Right. Um, I did find one strange thing that I'll, I'll get to, but this, like, thread um, is people talking about, like, what are they doing post-Avatar to, to be better people? What have they taken from it? Yeah. Um, and this, this is from a member named Simpu. Um, and he says, what Avatar action sequences aside does is take you to the quiet place inside where your soul grows. It gets your brain to shut up for a moment so you can experience the universal flow of energy that is the hallmark of life. For people that are used to a world where everything complete competes to overwhelm their attention and distract them from the tender beauty of simply being, the perfection of this glimpse of eternity fills their hearts so much it feels as though it is breaking. Depression from seeing Avatar. Maybe the regret at having bought into the deception for so long. It's a lot of that. I, I And it's like... <laughs> it's so... Did we watch... When someone says to you... Movie? And that's just it. That's just it. When someone says to you... That like... When they start talking about their soul how a movie, like, helped their soul, and it's the highest-grossing movie of all time. Yeah. Like, the knee-jerk gut reaction is to immediately, like, be cynical with it. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the terrible part of it, because it's like, I have no... I have no doubts. But 
at first brush, it might sound a little grandiose. Yes. Yes. And that's, like, when they're, when they're breaking out, like, the flowery language, like, seeing Avatar wakes you up to the deception. <laughs> yeah. It's it kind of makes me little... want to go back and see if there was anything for the Matrix. <laughs> um, like on you the got flip side of that, I found uh, someone who can't believe is the username. Okay. Um, who in, in Feb 2010, I found this, uh, digging through the defunct Avatar forum, which, which most people migrated over to Tree of Souls. Right. Um, and he made this post... On, on the, the Avatar forum's equivalent topic. Uh, and it's, this is how it starts. And now I see all those dumb just having a girlfriend for being cool. Writing in the internet with their 100,000 friends on ICQ. And so I see others, not all, but so many, getting manipulated by media and other music-orientated bullshit. And so... Sorry, this goes too far. Uh, okay. And then it, um, I'm not going to read all of it, but it is a screed where I don't really know what they're on about, but Avatar makes them happy. Um, okay. <laughs> um, and they are very prevalent on the Tree of Souls forum, trying to get other people to see their, their worldview about how if you just internalize the lessons of Avatar, you will become a more fulfilled person. Um, they're right, their English has gotten better. Oh, actually, okay. Right, I should say that. Um, though I never found a post where they said, sorry, English is not my first language. Um, I would argue that you shouldn't always have to preface it that way. <laughs> uh, if you saw some of the spelling errors here. <laughs> oh, okay. That's fair. Um, but... Okay. It's just... I... It's such a puzzling fandom. Yes. It's puzzling and it's confusing. The people, the people that are getting the, like getting stuff out of it, the really diehard fans, are the ones that always, always just bust out the thesaurus and the dialectics. Yes. And being like, this mute movie is the, this is the blueprint for the because... future. Because you, oh my gosh, okay, so this is, you sent me an amazing video, an incredible video. Oh, are we place talking about the... His second life. Yes. And of, of, a, of a Navi couple um, mm -hmm. having a baby. Mm -hmm. Yes. Graphically. You see it, you see it, you see the baby pop out. You should have, I wish I had recorded my face. There was mm -hmm. screams in this house. Um, someone modeled it. Someone rigged that. Someone... Avatar is very popular on Second Life. Yes. There is a, uh, and to those surprised, yes, Second Life is still going. It's still going. Um, and in, in, in that poster, their, their lovely friend wrote a poem for them that they put at the end of that video with the very lovely music. And it's so fascinating. I, I want to understand what it feels like to get the satisfaction of that achievement in Second Life as a Navi in Pandora. And I want to know what it's like. And have a baby. I think it plays a lot into a lot of these 
maybe not the writer. There's a lot of LARPing that seems yes. intrinsic to the fandom, and, and not just because a huge part of that is that Navi is a language you can learn, right? Um, and that it's entirely like almost at this point being constructed by the fandom. People will reach out to um, what is his name, Mr. Fromer, uh, Paul Fromer, who made the language. He's right. like super active. In the uh, the learnnavi.org forums, good for him. And people will ask him like, "Hey, what what would be like a word for this?" Or they'll propose words or grammar changes, and he'll be like, "Yeah, that let's let's run with that." Okay. Um. So, like, yeah, there are courses on Navi. You can learn it. Um. How do you feel about learning fictional languages? I think it is. I think it's an absolutely fair hobby to have, even a passion to have. I, I don't find yeah. it very, especially with a developing language that is so interactive like Navi, I find it to be completely valid because I do consider just that it is a hobby. It's another skill you're learning that you're committing mm -hmm. to memory as well. I find it no more intensive than learning a really intricate craft. Okay. And do you, what are your thoughts on it? It always strikes me as something that's kind of like a party trick. Yeah, that, that's also um, that. There's also that. You know, and I can't really divorce my mind from that because the really, like, cynical part of my brain is, like, why not learn a real language or a dying language that needs preservation? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, at the, the, but the other part of me is, like, you know, don't rain on people's parades. Like, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. So, there's a lot of stuff done in Navi. Like, there's an entire forum where you just have to speak Navi. Cool. Or type in Navi. I found a podcast that's done entirely in Navi, done by a by a couple. Oh, wow. Um, and I'll give a shout-out to this Kelku Ikrana, which is Navi for house banshees. Or huh. banshee house. I'm not really sure on the, the possessive of the... I wanted to learn, I wanted to do, like, an intro in Navi for this, but it's hard to do because there's a lot of, there's a lot of basic-ass words that aren't, like, you kind of have to, like, construct. There's, like, there's no There's not just, like, words. a one-to-one -one translation for so many things. Oh, God. Um, shockingly, the Navi do not have a word for podcast. Of but, course. But, um, this, this Kelku Ekrana, um, it's only, it only had six episodes in 20, 2019, you can find it on Spotify, it's just this... This, it's kind of cute, this couple talk back and forth in Navi. Um, it sort of hits, like, the asthma part of your brain that enjoys, like, listening to your sims have very candid conversations. So, so Avatar's even in the podcast sphere. Yeah. And, and with the, like, with Way of the Water, a lot of the fan base has been coming out of the woodwork. Yes. Um, like, there's an entire, um, there's an entire podcast, like, analyzing all the pre-release stuff. And what, like you would imagine, what's really shocking about Avatar that I didn't bring up earlier is that there is almost no EU for this. No, there's really not. There's like some almost, comics. I was expecting there had to be. I was like, there have to be like a book. There have to be books or no. comics. No, there's not. There's there's comics coming out now as right. a lead up where Jake Sully digs up his own human body and looks at it, <laughs> which is a choice. Um. um but, like, the most we got for expanded material stuff was that that museum exhibit that toured. And then uh, Disney. Disney 
Pandora World of Avatar, which opened at the Animal Kingdom. I, I haven't been there since it opened. Yeah, uh, me neither. Everyone that I've talked to that's, like, a park expert from, like, I've seen, like, blogs and stuff says it's kind of one of their favorite places at Disney World, just aesthetically. Yeah. And, I, again, that ties into, like, Pandora is just kind of a cool-looking place. Yeah. It makes you want to go there. You made um, an amazing jungle planet with floating mountains. Yeah. There was also a Cirque du Soleil show. There was? Yeah. You didn't... Oh, so I've I got I love a story. Cirque du Soleil. Uh, what's the name? Turok First Flight. Oh, okay. That name is familiar. So it's a... Um, in the movie, there is the Turok, which yeah. is the, the big red banshee. And which, of course, Nateri. no one knows how to tame it except for Jake. Well, yeah, but he was told, like, oh, Neytiri's great-great-grandfather was the first man to ride it, and he united the tribes against a disaster. And right. this, this Cirque du Soleil show is that story. Oh, that's cool. Um, so I saw it when it came to Portland. Really? Yes. Now, unfortunately, it started late. It started, oh, no. like, 40 minutes late. Oh, no. Um, and then once it started, it was all cool. It's like all the performers are dressed in Navi makeup. They've got, like, you know, it's Cirque du Soleil. It's a, it's a fucking visual feast. Yeah. Um, but then, about near the end, past the first intermission, um, the lights go out over the performance area, and a voice says, Please hold. Uh, Turok First Flight is experiencing some technical difficulties. Oh, no. Um, and then... After, I want to say, I can't really remember, but it was a while. It was a while. It was so long that people started to leave. Oh, no. And then the show resumed. And, like, they do another, like, acrobatics thing. Um, it's building up for a climax. Lights go out again. Please hold. Turok First Flight is experiencing no! some technical difficulties. It's like, oh, my God, their big dragon puppet isn't working. <laughs> the whole pull of the show. And so we sat, like, my family wanted to leave. I bet. And I was like, no, I don't, this is not like this. <laughs> Giant puppet. No, no, I just have, I was sympathetic for the performers. That too. I was like, what a shit. Can you imagine, like, like, you have been practicing for months, you've been rehearsing for months, you've been on tour for weeks? And then, the, and so what happened was the lights came back on and all the performers are carrying out the Turok animatronic, like a funeral procession. Like, they're pallbearers. And they carry it out and hold it there while the main guy, like, climbs on a rock and says, It was me! I was the first guy to tame Turok. What? Oh my god! Or Turok, sorry. Turok is a video game. <laughs> and oh then and we, we did our tepid applause and we got out. Yay! <laughs> Those poor, poor acrobats. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, so that's it for the Avatar EU. And normally, an EU is there to sustain a fan base in times of production. Yeah, to like give like, them even, something to hold on to, because it's been 13 years. Even before Star Wars Episode Seven came out, when Disney was like, we're redoing the canon, they released books, they released comics that are like, they here's still the stuck. new setting. Yeah. And it's like the fan base ate that up in preparation for episode seven. Yeah. Um, 
Avatar doesn't have that. All they have is the one movie and whatever, like, James, like, let slip about the sequels. It just becomes a lot of really needling in on the stuff they like. Mm-hmm. And what they like is Pandora. So it's a lot yeah. of, like, you know, what what animal from Pandora would you have as a pet? Um, I did see uh, ayahuasca heads are really into this movie because they think it's sending secret messages to them because okay. there's a there's a deleted scene, um, which you can kind of tell where this was cut. It's part of, like, Jake's um, I Am Now a Man ceremony. Oh, right. There's kind of an awkward cut between him taming his banshee and then, like, standing before the tribe. Uh, there was a moment where he did, like, an acid trip. Okay. Like a ceremony. Um, and it's a really trippy cut scene. Um, and so people that are super, like, I found, like, when I searched, like, Avatar forums, I got a lot of links to, like, ayahuasca forums talking about Avatar. Wow. And one guy, one guy in that depression thread I mentioned said, like, I took, um, ayahuasca and saw Avatar in 3D and I was, and I shifted physically to Pandora um, and was able to be there for for just a few minutes before I went back to Earth. And I did this multiple times and was able to stay longer and longer each time. And I think if we all take ayahuasca together, we can ship physically manifest in Pandora. And I'm like, oh no, oh no, honey, that's that's Heaven's Gate. That's Heaven's Gate, son. You gotta get yeah, out of there. Is, oh my god. Um, that's insane. So I guess that brings me on to... The next, like, if there's not really anything, like, that's keeping the interest, then where is the fandom going, then? I think it's all just been a big building to the climax that is the release of Avatar 2. Because, like I said, right now, the Avatar subreddit is gaining subscribers as more, like, people are remembering Avatar, they are interested in getting back into the fandom. Yeah. Um... So I think, like, going forward, I could... And now, like I said, they're re- now they're releasing comic books. Now they have, like, books planned, but nothing's really, like, actually being written yet. Yeah. Um, I think, like, James is kind of ramping up for a... Not even a revival of an Avatar fandom, but just sort of what the fandom should have been. Like, a like almost a renewal? Like, a almost... It, it, a soft reboot? It's a second a soft reboot. A soft reboot of a fandom, yeah, kind of feels it, like because that. Because the the most recent active fandom I have found is on TikTok. Mm-hmm. The kids who grew up after Avatar was released, That's they're so all weird. they're all finding Avatar, and like there's under the hashtag Avatar two thousand nine is a hundred and forty five million views. I could see the kids getting into Avatar the same way you got into Fifth Element. Right, right. Because it seems so different from the modern media landscape. Right, and the thing is, is, like, the things that they gravitate towards more are so different. So, like, they really love the love story, like, the love triangle between Mm. Neytiri, Jake, and, like, Sute. Like, they're really... Is it really a love triangle, though? I just kind of always... The kids insist that Sute actually loves Neytiri and that his heart is broken because she betrays him. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, that's, like, their entire thing. Or everyone's obsessed with Neytiri and how her pain is, like, entirely overlooked in the final act of Avatar. 
<laughs> like Neytiri's dad dies, the home tree is the home tree is destroyed. Yeah. Her entire land is like leveled. Mm. Poor girl, but she gets to see Jake in human form. Yeah, and like they're obsessed with that, and like there are there are so many edits of just like them having longing looks at each other, and <laughs> like kids in the comments being like, "Oh my god, I love their love so much." It reminds me of like Titanic talk. Mm-hmm. It reminds yeah. me so wholly of it. I, of just like their love is so amazing. I want to have that. Yeah. I think. You know, James Cameron isn't a bad director. No. By um, by no means. And so like I can I can buy how people like Avatar, but sort of the slavish devotion side. I think yeah. of anything the slavish devotion side would would freak me out. Like, yeah. Like I'm a Kingdom Hearts fan, but I have right. self-awareness about being a Kingdom Hearts fan. Right, right. And and I think we'll get into our our dirty laundry of our insane fandoms along the way of as the show progresses because like there is that self-awareness that you need to retain. Yeah. In order to keep your wits about you in any sort of fan interaction. Yeah. That so it makes me really interested in like what Navi meetups are like. Oh, those also exist. Um, those, um, there is the learnnavi.org site has done regular fan meetups since 2014. Crazy. Where people I, will talk I and exchange what merch. Like. Um, like, so getting, sort of wrapping this up, I think what I got out of the main appeal of Avatar, especially on this rewatch, mm-hmm. what clicked for me is, um, there's this, like, meme, I don't even know if it's a meme, but a phrase I see posted on, like, Doomer reddits and things, Yeah, it's like, I was born too late to explore the new world, born too early to settle Mars. Right, right. I think Avatar taps into that, and I don't think that's an inherently colonialist want ideal. It's sort of a, a want of, like, getting away from everything, getting away from the stuff that you feel is weighing you down in your day-to-day. Like, can't it just be about picking berries and, and dancing around the fire? The, the desire to, to escape to cottage core without all the racism. Yeah. And that's, like, that is not a new thing. No. Uh, this, is, this, is, this is Murph's history hat coming on. Right. Um, when, when we were settling the New World, um, the colonies were shit. Because yeah. the, the people that were coming over were either, like, Puritans being sent away because they tried to assassinate the king, criminals who, like, didn't want to be executed. Yeah. And so, like, anyone with, like, trade skills, like, like I don't know, cheesemakers. Right. If you are a successful cheesemaker, you're not leaving your successful cheesemaking business to go across the ocean. No. No, not at all. So the people the, the commun- who came to America wanted to leave and have a new yeah. lease on life. Yeah, they were forced and so to. the colonies were crap, you know, it, it, due to multiple reasons, but a yeah. large part of it is that. And so they look at, like, the native populations and being like, boy, they have healthy, strong communities. I'm just going to slip away in the night and go join them. Like, uh, the mysterious lost colony of Roanoke, legendary right. lost colony, it's almost certainly that's what happened. The people left... Because they're the person that like set up the colony went back to England to be a lord, 
And so it was almost certain that they integrated with the tribes that live nearby. Um, and this was such an epidemic across all colonies, across all cultures that were settling the new world, that like, it was not uncommon to have guards posted outside entrances to towns to make sure people weren't slipping away in the night to go join the natives. Yeah, it wasn't even, like, always to keep people out. It was to keep people in as well. Yeah. And yeah. it's... We've always had that desire to run away. That's what makes genres that really incorporate escapism really appealing to to the general public. Yeah, it's that it's that to use a weeb term, it's that isekai appeal. Yes. Is Avatar an isekai just with extra steps? Yes. <laughs> he does die. Yes. So, where... I, I guess I have two sort of closing questions. Okay. And I'm not sure which one to tackle first. Okay. But I guess... Where do you feel this franchise is going forward? I In your like... heart of hearts, do you... Because James Cameron has always said, always said, Avatar is a five-movie series. Right. And that kind of elicits the same reaction in my gut as Peter Jackson saying The Hobbit it's going to be a trilogy. I... Okay, so here's where I'm at. I feel like because of all the factors surrounding it, it's a very slippery slope to current stage Star Wars. Very slippery slope. Of As soon as we start getting more, we're going to unearth a decade plus of fandom that came before it. And now yeah. you have new fans with old fans, and you're going to start creating just a whirlwind of bullshit in a revolving cycle until we get Avatar 3. And it's going to start building and building, and then suddenly we're going to get, like, the Ekron cartoon on Disney+. Plus. And yeah. it's just going to yeah. keep evolving and evolving until suddenly we've knocked out three parking lots at Animal Kingdom to make Pandora even bigger. It's mm -hmm. just a matter of time in my eyes, but I'm kind of here for it. I'm kind of ready to see it happen because I, I think just, it kind of deserves yeah. a fandom. I kind of want to see where it goes. I'm I'm on board for James because Avatar two and three are filmed back to back, um, we, and then yeah. he's been very upfront saying like if Avatar three doesn't make like any money to make investors interested, then there probably won't be a four and five. Yeah, yeah. But he's but also said, if it does, then he it, he may do another long gap. Yeah. Between three and four coming out. But he doesn't have and a long, it's just long like, time. Yeah, it's like, James, how... It's like, how much if he more goes, do you have? If he goes, doesn't it go with him? Then it'll just be a tragedy. Here's the final... This was like sort of the genesis of this. Because I was reading the Avatar 2 hot takes... Yeah, and I was, and you know the the constant cry is who right. asked for this. Yeah, who asked? And for so this? now doing this research, is it like is the answer a small but dedicated fandom, or is it one James Cameron? And that's where I think we actually have the privilege of knowing it might be it might be the creator, but in the most positive way that this could have happened. Yeah. Because there's so many times where a, a creator is just dragged in. Like, look at John Carpenter and look at Halloween and look at what yeah. they, like, made him do for all these movies. Mm -hmm. And 
And I feel like, on the other hand, you have James Cameron, who is just pulling this franchise along with him. Everywhere he goes, there is always going to be Avatar 2 coming. No matter what he does, there's always Avatar 2. It's literally like that, what if, like, one of those... I don't, I don't really know the terminology to use here, but I think everyone has that world they have in their mind. Yeah. Like, if you paid a a dedicated D&D group, if you said, like, I'm going to give you a billion dollars to adapt your D&D <sighs> campaign, yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't that just, like, wouldn't they just be the most passionate creators you have ever seen? I mean, coming up with like ideas and like, oh, it has to be this and has to be this and this. And it's like, you're you're not far from describing Dan Harmon, but (laughs) I guess, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And we see what happens there all the time. The thing is, is I don't know if we're, I don't know if we as a public are handling Avatar correctly still. Mm. I love the idea of how the fandom exists currently, but that's the reason I'm so excited for the fandom to evolve. Like, nobody has told James Cameron that the actual golden idea here is a themed restaurant. (laughs) Yeah. Theme hotel. Like, forget the Star Wars hotel. We could have just made a Pandora hotel. Yeah. And people would have been so interested. They would have been so intrigued. Mm Mm-hmm. I think I think it would have absolutely landed. Instead of Rainforest Cafe at Animal Kingdom, just make it a Pandora restaurant. Yeah, yeah, genuinely, yeah. Um, I think the answer to, to the earlier question, I think this really is, like, something James Cameron kind of just wants. Yeah. He says, he says he's going to go out on Avatar 5. And if not Avatar 5 and Avatar 3, like, he doesn't want to direct anything else. He'll produce, he'll throw money at Ilita Battle Angel in various yeah. documentaries, as yeah. long as they're about the ocean. Yes. But he he just wants to do Avatar, and there's something so intensely admirable about that. Like, he is, you can find all sorts of quotes by James Cameron being like, I don't care that it's unoriginal. If yeah. like the word, if the highest criticism you can foist upon my movie is that it's unoriginal and nothing to do with like the directing, the acting, the effects, then I've made a good movie in my opinion. And that's like, you know, that's at I I don't know. There's something I find respectable about that. I've gained a lot of respect for James Cameron in this. Absolutely, like he like that is a man who is living his truth and just doing what he wants with his money to make his art. Yeah. He's just doing it, and it is it is very possibly the most James Cameron property. Yeah. And it is Terminator's to been be taken away from him. Yeah. Yeah. It is uh, bigger than him now. I don't know if he has any thoughts on Terminator. Titanic like, as- is bigger than him. Even though Titanic was such a huge pro- like passion project for him, I feel like mm-hmm. Titanic has absolutely grown much larger than him. Yeah. It's... It, when I think of him, I think of Avatar, and I think it is the quintessential James Cameron piece. And yeah. I'm just, I want him to have it, and I want it to be his, and I feel like we're all just happy to be along for the ride. Um, yeah, because you know, passion is infectious. 
Yeah. And I think that's kind of like, I think I've become a bigger fan of Avatar through this experience, through the... Oh, absolutely. The, the secondhand passion of these fans. Yeah. It's like, you know, it is easy to roll your eyes at someone saying, like, Avatar is their favorite movie. Absolutely. Um, but at the same time, like, to get, like, a little real, like, I feel like several years ago I decided my philosophy for life is going to be an optimistic nihilist. Yeah. The, the yeah. world is a vast, unknowable, uncaring nothing, and every day we get closer to death. So when someone tells you that they have found art that gets them out of bed in the morning, gets them excited to see tomorrow, uh, believe them. Yeah. Yeah. And that is definitely, that is definitely a dogma I can get behind. It's mm -hmm. like, there's so much out there that doesn't matter that if you find something yeah. that makes you happy and it is not hurting you or others, absolutely go after it. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I, like I said in episode one, I'm just happy people make things. People make an entire explorable Pandora in Second Life. Damn, I want to go there. Absolutely. Like, kill the cringe so you can just enjoy the art. Yeah, kill the cringe so you can enjoy the art. Yeah, we'll put that on the business card. There we go. Ooh, business cards. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're 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 getting getting late in the evening. I think the, we uh I think we got the that Jacko one done. turkeys getting dim. <laughs> All right, uh, Murph. So we've got the Thanksgiving candles are, are <laughs> flaming. That's a reference to the Twin Geeks episode on Best in Show listeners. Go check it out on your local Twin Geeks site. That's a good cross-promotion. Um, Do you got any more? Of, speaking of cross-promotion, uh, there's other shows on the Twin Geeks website. Uh, for instance, uh, Fru's partner, her taller half... Uh, hosts the Twin Geeks podcast where every episode they look at a, another section of a filmography of a director. They uh, finally finished uh, the Robert Altman retrospective. And they are and on an extended hiatus, so um, there is an entire backlog for you to explore. They will always recommend that you start after around episode 90, the Breakfast Club episode. Start I after there. I around the first episode I listened to. Yeah, start Batman? there. Um, and so in the meantime, uh, David and Calvin are doing other projects. Uh, Calvin's teaming up with Vaughn of, I'm thinking of spoiling things, since they're both in the Seattle, uh, Critics Association, or what it's called. Uh, they are doing a podcast called Critical Consideration, where they're looking at the nominees. Very um, cool. across this, uh, for the Seattle Film Awards and, like, what's nominated, what their opinions are, what they think will win. Um, I, I like listening to award speculation. Oh, I love so this, it. I'm a mark for this. Like, I don't care how trashy the show is. Like, the, the video game awards just put out their nominees. And I'm like, the, Jeff Keeley. Jeff Keeley's a nice guy, but his show is trash. But also, yeah. I like speculating. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Steven and David are also... I don't think they've put the first episode out of this. Um, uh, but no, they're going but to I know what you're talking show, about. They're going to be doing a show about, like, lost silent films? Lost and rediscovered. Ashes to classics. 
Okay, okay. That's that's uh, definitely a passion project for David, since he loves silent films so much. Oh, absolutely. And especially the restoration and rediscovering of them. Now I'm thinking of Avatar as a silent film. Ooh, that would be good. Uh, yeah, where's our black and white cut, James? <laughs> um, and then I also co-host the Daydream Cast, which is a video game-focused podcast I hosted with my friend Bro. Uh, and each week we sort of look at a different game of the week. We often invite on a ton of guests, talk about what we're playing. The most recent episode is on Star Wars Masters of Terrace Kasi for reasons. Yeah. Um, but around the time this comes out, we'll probably have our episode up on Jack and Dexter, the precursor legacy. Cool. Very awesome. All right. Oh, well, I think we're fading out. I think we are. There's some space jazz going on in the background. Yeah. Some... We some world some... music, as it's called. Yep. We can... We can go enjoy some... Some turkey dinner. And go watch the dog show. Okay, I'm gonna... I'm just gonna cap it there. Yep. 